Uh, it's from the New Testament. It's going to be Luke 17, verses 11 through 19, a story that you've probably heard before. Uh, can we have a word of prayer first before we start the reading? Dear Lord, we thank you for allowing us to be here today and learn more of your word. Please help us take this teaching and apply it to our everyday lives. Amen. Luke 17, verse 11. On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. And then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God in a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. And when Jesus then answered, he said, Were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found, no one not found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to the foreigner, Rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Alan told me earlier that I looked too casual wearing this t-shirt, and I agree. So I thought, well, I'll just take the stole from my robe, and I'll put that on. Does that work? Better than the tie? <laughs> um, so we are working on this series talking about our liturgy. Uh, liturgy is, is the way that we worship. It is the way that we approach God in worship. And so we have talked about um, adoration and, and how we, we start by just focusing on the Lord and on who He is. And then we, we looked at how when you begin to do that, there is something that happens. As we see Him, we begin to see ourselves in light of Him. And we see our deficiencies, and that leads us into confession. And as we come in confession, we come with that assurance that Hebrews talks about, that, that assurance that lets us go boldly into God's presence, knowing that we are forgiven in Christ. And then that leads us to what we are talking about today, which is thanksgiving. So we're going to ask uh, four questions about thanksgiving. We're going to ask four questions today. What is it? Why should we do it? How do we do it? And do we get anything from it? What is it? Why do we do it? How do we do it? And do we get anything from it? Those are our four questions for today. And we're going to be looking at that text that Alan read. So, first question is, what is it? What is thanksgiving? Well, in the text, what do you see? You see Jesus is, is coming, and he's coming into this city. And as he's coming into this city, he's not in there yet, he's on the outside, these ten lepers cry out for help. You, you may be somewhat familiar with leprosy. Um, there's a, a picture of kind of what, it, what the effects can do. Um, this is a, a kind of a mild picture. 
Um, leprosy is this infection that you can get, and it causes nerve damage. And, um, you know, some, some of you medical folks can correct me later if I'm wrong, but it causes nerve damage. And as you start to lose feeling, it, it becomes harder to uh, keep things like your fingers and stuff like that. Um, but what happens back in the ancient times, what, what would happen is um, Leviticus 17. You can go read all about it. It's a whole chapter on leprosy. But uh, what happened is people would have to come, and they would have to come before the priest, and the priest would look at them and would make a diagnosis based on different factors. And if the priest looked at them and said, yes, according to what we have, you have leprosy, what happened is now, now they said, you need to go outside, away from the people. You need to go over there until this is gone. And you can get rid of that picture as well. So they would be separated from their family. They would be separated from their society. They would be separated from their work. They would be separated from their worship and their ability to come to the temple. And on top of all of that, they're dealing with this, uh, this infection that could have a tremendous toll on their health. Now, we can actually identify with this probably better today than anyone in the last 10 years or so, at least in this country, because remember a couple years ago, March, April, May, you, you remember that? And somebody would be like, have a little cough, and, and what happens? Whoa. Stay over there. And then you take a test, and then it comes back, and they say, oh my gosh, I've got COVID. And now all of a sudden, whoa. Stay way, way, way over there. And you see people who get separated from their family, sometimes even in the same home, and you got to lock doors and turn on the purifiers. You, you uh, get separated from society. You're, you're, you're cut off from society. You're cut off oftentimes from work. You're cut off from worship, not to mention the potential health toll that it could have. This thing was isolating. It was dangerous. It was scary. And so imagine if you were a leper on the outskirts of town going through a scenario like this. Well, they see Jesus. They see Jesus and they've heard about him. Even from the outskirts, they have heard about him and they know, they know that he can heal them. Somehow he can do it. And so verse 13, it says, they lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us crying out to him from a distance. And he says this, he says, go and show yourselves to the priest. In other words, they're here and they're, they're, they see him coming. They know who he is and they're crying out, look, just tell us what to do and we'll do it. Just do something. Please have mercy. And he says, go, go show yourselves to the priest. And as they do that, on the way, they, they obey, and on the way, they are healed. They have received the mercy that they asked for. And now the question is, how will they respond? How will they respond to this mercy? I'm sure many of you have read this story before, and you know that nine of them keep on going. They keep on going. Now, now here's the thing. They're, they're doing what he said. He said, go to the priest. 
They're going to the priest. They look down and they're healed. And guess what? Leviticus 17 requires. When the leprosy is gone, what do you do? You go to the priest. And the priest will make pronouncement. And then you, you complete certain sacrifices. And then you get to get back to your life as normal. And so they're doing that. They, they keep on going. But one turns around. And it says in uh, verses 15 and 16, it says that one turns around, praising God with a loud voice, fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. I don't know. And the text doesn't tell us if, if the nine that kept going, the text doesn't tell us if they were grateful or not. Did you notice that? The text doesn't tell us if they're grateful or not. They may have been very, very grateful to look down and all of a sudden they're healed. Uh, I personally think, this is my opinion, but I personally think they were probably extremely grateful. A lot of gratitude in their hearts. Here's Here's the difference, though. There is a difference between gratitude and thanksgiving. There is a difference between gratitude and thanksgiving. They may have been very, very grateful, maybe not. But either way, they didn't express it. They did not express their gratitude. Thanksgiving, thanksgiving is this. Thanksgiving is gratitude expressed. Thanksgiving is gratitude expressed. That's why the man comes back to Jesus, falling on his face, giving him thanks. Gratitude, thanksgiving is gratitude expressed. So, the next question then is this. If thanksgiving is gratitude expressed, why should we do it? Why should we do it? If thanksgiving is gratitude expressed, why should we do it? Why should we express it? Why is it not simply enough to just have the gratitude? The, the answer is this. It is simply that it's the right response. It is the right response to receiving mercy, is to express that gratitude. There's an old joke that I came across um, doing some research for this passage, and uh, there's this grandma, and she's out at the ocean with, uh, with her grandson, and he's out there, and he's got a bucket and a pail and a shovel, and he's, he's playing on the beach, and then she looks up, and all of a sudden, this big wave whoosh, comes and grabs him and pulls him into the ocean. She begins crying out to God, God, be merciful. God, please send him back. Give him, give him back to me. Lord, send, send this boy back to me. And then whoosh, another wave comes. Puts him right there with his bucket, pail, and shovel there on the ocean. And she runs and she grabs him and she looks at his face and then she stops and she says, "Um, God, he was wearing a hat. (laughs) It's an old joke, but the point, the point comes across that it is the right response to mercy to have gratitude, to express gratitude, and that expression of gratitude does something in our hearts that keeps us from being complacent and from looking at however the Lord shows us His mercy and saying, Lord, you gave me this, but He had a hat. Jesus here shows mercy by healing the leprosy of these ten lepers, but He didn't have to do it. 
He didn't owe them anything. And if you read earlier about these unworthy servants in uh, verses 7 through 10, that's, that's kind of the point that's being made there. And then we see this um, actually happening is that Jesus doesn't owe them anything. He doesn't owe them any healing. He doesn't owe them any mercy. He didn't have to do this. He does it because he's good. He does it because he's good. And now the right response, the right thing is to give thanks, to express that gratitude to him. And so here we see highlighted in verse 16 and in verse 18, it says this, it says, now he was a Samaritan about the one who came back. And then Jesus even says, was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? You see, this, this man, this Samaritan, he knew he didn't belong. He, he knew that he didn't, he didn't, God didn't owe him any of this mercy. He knew the depth of this. And he knew the depth of his need. He knew that he didn't deserve it. And that is why he gave that right response. Because he could see this, this depth of his need for mercy. And so he comes back to God, not like the other ones who are on their way to the temple saying, Lord, I'll find a hat. He, he knew. He knew his need for mercy. And so he goes back to Jesus with thanksgiving. This is the same reason, by the way, that inmates respond to the gospel so well. Addicts, people who are broken, you, you, you tend to see a greater response. You tend to see a greater expression of thanksgiving among those people. Why? Because they see their need more clearly than those who have it together, which is a myth, by the way. We can admit that here. It's a myth. No one has it all together. Everyone needs mercy. Everyone is a spiritual leper without Jesus. I love the way Keller says it. Tim Keller says it. He says, you are more sinful than you could ever know, and you are more loved than you could ever imagine. We all have that need for mercy. And when we receive it, the, the more we understand the, the depth that mercy goes, the more we will automatically have that right response. Automatically. So the question then is, How? How should we give thanks? Well, there are many different ways that we can do that. Um, we, we do it in different ways here. Um, we see it in some different ways in this passage. You see in verse 15, what does he do? It says, then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back. He turned back. So he is making a priority in what he's doing. He is making a priority. He's still required to go to the temple. If he wants to rejoin society, he, if he wants to follow the law that God gave, he's still required to go to the temple, but he is prioritizing Jesus. He is prioritizing thanksgiving, and he goes back. So that is one way is we can give thanks with our priorities. He comes in praising God with a loud voice. We can use our voices to thank God as we often do. Um, he comes to Jesus and he falls on his face. We can use our posture for giving thanks. I know, frozen chosen, Presbyterians, hands stay down here. I get it. But that's okay too, because the posture of your heart matters as well. Um, verse 16, then he comes and it says that he gives thanks to God. He gives thanks. Now, this is something here. We need to know that, that we need to be giving thanks to God. Not thank coincidence, 
Not, oh, thank the force. Not, oh, thank the universe. Oh, thank karma. None of these things. Thanks to God. And then Jesus here receives it as God because He is God. This, by the way, this is kind of a side note, but all of the ten call out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on me. But the Samaritan is the only one who comes and recognizes that Jesus is Lord with his whole life. He's the only one that comes and recognizes Jesus as Lord with his whole life. You see, ultimately, that is what we are to do. Is we can segment giving thanks out into lots of different things, but ultimately what we do is we come to Jesus and say, you are the Lord, you are Master, and I'm giving you my whole life. I love the way Paul puts it in Romans 12. He says that we are to give our bodies as a spiritual sacrifice, give ourselves as a spiritual sacrifice to the Lord. Last question is this. Last question is this. Do we get anything from it? Do we get anything from going and giving thanks? Now, here's the thing. We shouldn't. We can just be honest. We should not get anything else. Like we, we already received something that we didn't deserve, and that's why we're giving thanks in the first place. We shouldn't get anything else from it. The mercy that we received is undeserved, and it actually puts us in this imbalanced relationship. That's what Ed Welch calls it. Romans 5.18. Do we have that one? Romans 5.18 says this, Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. You have the next part? Next part's not on there. Okay. But what, what it goes on to say in Romans is that, that Christ came first and died for the unrighteous. He came and He died for us while we were yet sinners. It is an imbalanced relationship that we are already in. And when we come and we give thanks, it's not transactional. It's not transactional. It's not, okay, Jesus, you do this and then I'll do this. Um, you, you save me and I'll give you thanks. You, you get me out of this ticket and I'll you know, give $50 to the church or, or whatever. Right? It's not this transactional relationship. We are in an imbalanced relationship. Christianity is unique in this, by the way. Every other religion, if you're not thanking your, your God, whatever that may be, if you're not thanking them enough, then what happens is they say, well, fine, then I'm going to take this away. You, you didn't give enough thanks, you don't get to keep it. Christianity is unique. It's not a payment. It's not a transaction. Um, it, there, there, is, uh, there is a reason that we're doing this. We didn't earn it. Our thanksgiving is not repaying a debt. It is just expressing gratitude. And so we shouldn't get anything. We shouldn't have gotten it before. We shouldn't get anything after. But we do. We do. When we give thanks, we actually get something else. What does Jesus say? He, he, he commends this Samaritan by doing, having the right response in 17 and 18. And then he says this in verse 19. He says, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. So the Samaritan is commanded. The other ones still are healed. The other ones still are healed. Jesus doesn't take that back on the way because they didn't give him thanks. The other ones are still healed. But the Samaritan is the only one who is commended. 
And he's the only one that Jesus says, your faith has made you well. This is sozo, the, the word that's being used there. This word gets used a lot in the New Testament for salvation. He, when, when this Samaritan is coming back and he's not, he's not just giving thanks, he is now recognizing Jesus you are the Master. You are God. You are Lord. And he begins to give thanks. What's happening is he receives healing in his soul, and now he is being freed from the lordship of other things in his life. He is being freed from the lordship of other things in his life. The same is true for us. We were spiritual lepers living outside of God's presence. But by the grace of Jesus, when we are healed in our souls, we, and, and we begin to dwell on that mercy, and then we begin, begin to give thanks through a variety of means. As we begin to give thanks, what is happening is it is freeing us from the lordship of these other things. As we come back to Jesus and we say, Jesus, you, you are Lord. You are Lord, and I thank you. What happens is, is if I come and say, Jesus, you are Lord. You are the Lord over my time. You are the Lord over my priorities. What happens is it begins to free us from the tyranny of the calendar. We are prioritizing our lives under a different calendar. It frees us from that. When we say, Lord, you are Lord, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give thanks with, with my money. A dollar's all I have. Here it is, Lord, take it. What happens is, is we are gaining freedom from that tyranny of our wallet. If we come and we say, I'm going to give thanks by obedience. Lord, I, I see, you see what your word says. I'm going, to, I'm going to try and obey. I'm going to do the best I can. What is happening is we are freeing ourselves from living under the whims of emotion. Emotion is not bad, but it doesn't always lead us the right way. When we give thanks for heaven and, and we come and we say, Jesus, you are Lord and I thank you that you went and you prepared a place for me and that you will come again and bring me to yourself. When we give thanks for heaven, it is freeing us from the tyranny of the fear of death. Do you see how that works? As we come and we give thanks to Jesus as we come and acknowledge that He is Lord and we give Him thanks for who He is and for His many, many blessings, it begins to free us from the lordship of those things. And over time, what that does is it changes us into the kind of person that we need to be, the kind of person that others want to be around. It begins to, to change us and change our hearts to where we look more like Jesus. And let me just give you an example. Um, I have a friend who is in hospice, and uh, it, it's hard. You know, there, there are all kinds of things that come along with dying, all kinds of uncertainties, all kinds of, of pains, all kinds of, um, all, all kinds of thoughts and anxieties that can come along. But this man always has a smile and a laugh. And if you ask him about it, he will tell you something along the lines of, there's always something to be thankful for if you look hard enough. And if you go spend five minutes with this man, well, that's hard, because he's also always got a wonderful story to tell you, and you want to hear it, and you just want to be around him. But if you go spend time with this man, what will happen is that you you will begin to change just by being around someone 
who gives thanks. Freed from the lordship of all these other things that vie for our attention. And I will tell you, this is something that I see again and again and again in you. The people here, the people at Westminster, are very, very good at being thankful to God for whatever He has. Being thankful to God in whatever situation because we are a people who give thanks in good times and in bad because we know of the great mercy that we have received freely from the hand of Jesus. We know His mercy and we give Him thanks. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank You. We thank You simply for who You are. You owe us nothing, but You are a God of such mercy. You are a God of such goodness. You are a God of compassion. That You see us. You see us in our need. Even the needs that we don't recognize ourselves, You see us. You love us. And even before we cry out to You, You are already extending Your hand. Jesus, would You shepherd our hearts. Holy Spirit, increase our thanksgiving that we may see You. That we may be freed from the Lordship of so many things in this life that fight for that place in our hearts. Someone has said, Thou hast given so much to me. Give one thing more, a grateful heart. Not thankful when it pleaseth me, as if thy blessings had spare days, but such a heart whose pulse may be thy praise. Amen. Would you please stand as we continue?